bless you for today. Thank you for the quietness. Lord, your word says, be still and know your Lord. Know your God. Father, in the tumult and the battle or in the heat of the field, Lord, uh, your presence is so genuine, so real. And the real quiet place, Lord, is not necessarily a rock on a hillside or a quiet room or even a prayer closet, Lord. It's the quietness in our heart. Made, Father, a temple for you. Simply because, Lord, that place is uh, for no one else. And so, God, I thank you for your consistent, everyday reality of your presence with us. I thank you, Lord, that for uh, specifically today, the gratitude, the gratitude that, Father, floods our heart when the revelation of the work of your Son and your motive for sending him becomes more genuine, more uh, seen, embraced, and known, Father, to us. But that all spills out of us. Father, runs downhill into the lives, Father, and uphill, Father, to families, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the season we find ourselves in. I thank you, Father, that the expectations we have are expectations that only faith can grasp. I thank you, Father, for the success that's of your spirit that these in this room would experience more deeply than they've ever before. And I thank you, Father, for the testimony of life and peace. I thank you, Father, for the empowerment, Lord, that broken bodies would be healed in the name of Jesus, sicknesses driven out, blind eyes open, even the dead raised. Because, Father, you don't need something to work with. Just as you spoke the world into creation, you just said it, and it was. So, Father, we find ourselves in awe of who you are. Because you who began a good work, you're going to finish it. In Jesus' name. Well, hello, everyone, and good morning. Make sure you leave room for others. You know, the, you know my favorite thing, and man, I'll tell you, uh, when I don't see my kids for a while, man, I ache for them. I do. It's like I'm sick. I'll see pictures of this, you know, we'll do FaceTime, but it's not the same. Uh, so, uh, Megan, when she was young, when I would get up in the morning, I don't have any hair really to mess up. But whatever's like on this ridge, on this horseshoe area here, all right? And I'd sleep at night, it would like stick up in the morning, all right? And Megan always said that those were eagle ears. <laughs> Why, I don't know. Little kid, Dad, you've got eagle ears. So she still said this. So the other day, Julie, <laughs> was yesterday, I think, in the morning, she goes, you have eagle ears. But it made me miss Megan so much. It was like I sent her a text, man, just hurry up and get here. Um, but that's really my heart for spending time with you. It is. I don't know where that went. Um, down the hall. Whether you're in the balcony or the mezzanine, don't you think?
you love that word mezzanine? Nobody knows what it means. Just out yonder, right? Uh, man, I enjoy being with you. The message I'm going to share uh, is something you can hear again and you can hear for the first time, right? And it needs to be as fresh, whether there's one or whether the room's full. You know, this, this, this message of gratitude that, that brings a thankfulness, uh, you know, if somebody is grateful toward you, or if they want to thank you for something, if they just came up and patted you on the hand or handed you a cookie or uh, gave you some money, you, you, you might be cool, all right? But you wouldn't know it's real gratitude unless they say it. Unless they say thank you. Or I appreciate you. There's something about the gratitude needs to come out of us. It can't just, it can't just be something that's an inward thankfulness. It has to come out. And where, what's the destination of our expression of gratitude? Well, I mean, what's, what's the, the, my sister and her husband are moving to Pennsylvania in their 70s. And they've lived out in the prairie of Colorado for, for since 1981. Hugo, Colorado. Raise your hand if you've been to Hugo. Put that hand up. Right on. Uh, the two young ladies upstairs. All right. uh, how, how many of you have been to Lyman? You missed Hugo by 17 miles. You go to the last tree, you go 17 miles, that's Hugo, right? But, you know, the, this move for them, man, it's so huge, all right? So <laughs> it was like a moonshot. It was like when I was in school in 1969 and they had the landing on the moon and, you, and now he's descend, descending to the moon surface and now, he's, I mean, you get this meticulous detail. It was so interesting then. They're just driving from Hugo, Colorado to Pennsylvania, but we got the same meticulous report from them. We're now 15 miles from Nowheresville, Missouri. You know, it was like, come on. <laughs> but it's such a big deal to them. But it's a big deal because it's now their new destination. The destination of gratitude is really to God. Why in the world would God want to even hear that you're grateful? It says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in the heart of believers. Man, there's just something about reciprocity. There's something about give and take that God looks for. He not only loves you, but that love for him is not complete unless it's reciprocal. Unless you say you love him back. But we can't love God with our love. It would be no good. Because he would know that it would be tainted by that nature in us. But the love that we love God with is the love that he gives us. So this morning as we take a look, uh, in Psalm 100, man, I love this. this. The psalmist, in the middle of his every day, in the middle of Thursday afternoon of this person's real life, the Holy Spirit Man, gave them this word, and man, they wrote it down. And thousands of years later, we, we enjoy these words, but it's almost so intimate, it makes you feel a little like you're looking in. You know, I'd watch my, my dad kiss my mom. It's like, oh, man, please, all right? Don't do that around here, all right? <laughs> or our kids would see us 
hug up or I'd kiss Julie and they would go, oh man, you know, they, oh, it just made them, but, it, but it also they loved it. There's something about seeing and experiencing intimacy with the Lord that at first seems almost like we're looking in on something too private, but it draws us to come close to him. He says, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. I remember backpacking as a young man. We, we had the kids out on a solo, and I had 24 hours. Well, not quite. But a chunk of time by myself, a night in the woods. And I read Romans 8 where it says, Creation groans for the redemption of the sons of men. And man, I'm no dancer, but man, I boogied. Man, I was jumping off of rocks and, and shaking it and moving it and, and rejoicing, running around yelling. <laughs> there was probably some... some camper like right over the ridge thinking, man, this boy's come up here and lost his mind, all right? But it was so intimate. I didn't want anybody really watching, <laughs> but I just wanted him to see it. I wanted it to be between he and I. He says, serve the Lord with gladness. Wow, this is not treachery, folks. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord God himself, know that the Lord himself is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. And we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts, that, that presence. Come with confidence because of Christ. With praise. Give thanks to, to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and His faithfulness to all generations. He's, he's expressing something that works all the time in terms of the value of being near him. Whether I'm in a struggle, whether I don't know what to do, or whether I'm, I, I, things are sublime with me, it's not dependent upon really even how I feel. See, there's an altar in our generation that's an altar of feelings. And we've made feelings what they were never created to be. Feelings are awesome. God has feelings. But it says that how he responds to us isn't out of how he feels. He responds to us out of the counsel of his own will. He knows what he's about with us. In this fifth chapter of, of Ephesians, we see that God starts out in verse 1 saying, Ben, be imitators of God. Don't mimic him in the sense of he does this and we do that. It means to be so intimately acquainted with how he does it that it becomes something that when he lifts his foot up to take another step, our foot goes into that footprint. It's what Habakkuk heard from the Lord when the Lord said, I'm going to give you hind's feet. That deer out in the wilderness, man, she picks up that back leg, or that front leg, and that back leg goes, that foot goes right there. That hoof goes right into that, that uh, hoof print. There's just something about this piece where it gets down to verse um, uh, 18, and he's talking about, man, don't get drunk with wine, because that's dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing he says after saying that is speak. I mean, let something out. Psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs that come pouring out of us 
back and forth to one another. It would seem like corny me even going over to Luke and just start singing at it. You'd feel so awkward. I almost want to do it just for that. <laughs> but if that's that, that reciprocal work, you know, there's something about uh, with Julie and I, something will happen, we'll just look at each other, and it's like we're not talking, but man, all right, no, I see it, <laughs> I get it. Or she starts, Julie's the funniest person when she laughs because she looks like she's crying. But there's something about that, that knowing that person well enough to whether it's good news or bad news, man, that connection and that relationship, man, it's there. And he talks about making melody in our heart to the Lord. There's something about, how many of you here have, have sung a song to the Lord uh, that's not on the radio and you haven't heard it before and it just bubbled up in you? Like most everybody has. It's that moment in the shower where you kind of let loose and you sound so much better than any other time. Right? At least you think you do. But there is this making melody. But then it goes to verse 20. It says, man, always. What is it about this word always? You know, in marriage counseling, <laughs> in practical life, you don't want to hear your spouse say, you just always do that. Or you never do that. And you're thinking of that one and a half times of where it didn't happen. All right? And you want to use that as evidence that it's not always. No, it's 98, maybe 99.7. But it's not always. We just, we just have, our, we have a hard time with big words sometimes. The Bible is full of big words. And this always, he's saying, man, there is always giving thanks. Because he's not talking about the gratitude that, that's just in the natural heart, the natural every man's kind of gratitude. Where that job we get or that house we get or uh, the doctor says you don't have the disease or the, 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 the thing you thought was going to be bad turns out good. The card that we expected to pay money for, all of a sudden the guy goes, hey, you don't know anything? What is a mechanic? It never said that, all right? And it's such a blessing. It's, it's, it's a reason to be grateful. But when that isn't there, when things aren't occurring, man, how many of us have that something that's big that won't move? It won't change. It just stays in front of us. And what happens when we don't know what's going to happen a year from now or five years from now? What happens when we have old stuff kind of following us and keeps telling us our, our future is somehow uh, incomplete or messed up because something back here happened. What happens to that? Where is always, always giving thanks in the middle of that? Now, some will do this. Man, thank God for everything. Everything, right? God, I thank you that there's salt in this salt shaker. Man, I'm happy about that. Okay, all things. There's a point to that, but there's so much more than what he's saying here. He's saying that as a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, they begin to speak, and it begins to be this reciprocity, this love exchange back and forth to that other person. That there's not a, 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 an awful sense of awkwardness in the middle of it. We can be genuinely 
giving what we've received to that other person, they can both receive it and give us back. That the body begins to be healthy rather than this mixture of flesh and spirit. Talks about this, man, you know, the rest of our lives, the journey, the trial, the mixture, the good, the bad, and the ugly. What about all that? Where does gratitude fit into that? Or should it not have any? It doesn't deserve it. Or it doesn't really happen until something turns out that's good. But you know what? We can become so tainted that we can withhold gratitude even when something good's happening because we're waiting for what? Did you ever have a little extra money and it's so fun? Ta-da, there it is. Little, hey, more than I'm used to. But the thought runs through your head, man, how long is this going to last? How long am I going to keep this? Or you're waiting for, hey, man, I got a little extra money, and then you can hear the, the, the refrigerator is, is no longer running. Or your car starts to sputter. The gratitude gets withheld because it really may not be good. Or it may not be good for long enough. In fact, what about the always and all things? Oswald Chambers, love this dude. Um, quote of his, it says, there's one thing we cannot imitate. We cannot imitate being full of the Holy Spirit. Wow. You know, there's just something that, you know, you see somebody that you're not really friends with or whatever else, and yet when you, they come up, you go, oh man, how you doing? We can kind of imitate that we're glad to see somebody. But we can't imitate the Holy Spirit and being filled with Him. It's something that, that only genuineness and the reality of it, man, speaks for itself. Always giving thanks. Colossians 1.3, you don't have this uh, on the screen. But it says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. I don't know about you. How many of you have been hurt by human beings? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you have hurt human beings? Raise that hand. We've done both. And sometimes with people we can be half-hearted. I'm not talking about exuberance or zeal. I mean almost. Because you know what? We don't know if they're going to hurt us or not. We don't know if they're, that our closeness is then going to change into awkwardness. Kind of like seventh grade dating. Right? It's actually ninth grade that was so vivid to me. We were still in junior high. This is like when the buffalo roamed, when the dinosaur prints were fresh, all right? That your friend would say, man, Janice thinks you're awesome, and she wants you to meet her at her locker. And so you'd walk there not knowing how it's going to go. And you kind of like Janice, and you get there, and hey, hey, and then you walk her to class, now you're dating. Right? <laughs> and now there's this expectation that you walk her to class, every class thing. And about the sixth day, you give her this token of your love. You give her a ring or a necklace. And now you're like going steady. Right? Man, you're exclusive. 
and you may have lunch together, you may not be out, you know, outside during the break, whatever. You may actually go to a movie. Your, your mom takes picture up at her house, and you sit in the back awkwardly, and then you go. You may hold her hand. Uh, that, that's way out there, okay? But about the third week of this hiking from class to class, the wheels come off, right? It just gets funky. Because you don't know each other. You have no idea who this other person is. And man, their heartache starts to set in. She's heartbroken. Or he's heartbroken. Or she's like thrilled she doesn't have to see, see this dude anymore. <laughs> All right? <laughs> Whatever it might be. But it becomes this tenuous thing pretending to be something that it can't be because there's no give and take. There's nothing that fuels those people to be good for one another. He says what, man? In verse 4, he uses this word sense. There has to be a reason for gratitude, even spiritual gratitude. There has to be something that causes it. And he uses this word, since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, there's thankfulness, and the love which you have for all the saints. Man, Jesus loves all the saints. I like a lot of saints. I'm not, I don't know if I love them all. And that needs, to, that needs to be different. Because that's something that points out that the engine of this love is not just in the experience with human beings. And then he uses this word in verse 5. He says, because of the hope, you're grateful, you're, 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 you're thankful because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. The gospel does something. It's the power of God unto salvation. Sometimes we want to use our testimony too much in sharing the gospel. This is what happened, and then that happened, and this happened. It's so graphic to us. But it's almost like sometimes you go to a neighbor's house and they're showing the slides of a vacation. And it's like, you know, here we are getting ready to get on a roller coaster. Here we are sitting in the roller coaster. Here's my dad sitting in the roller coaster. Here's the lady behind us with this child on the roller coaster. Here's us clicking, clacking up the roller coaster. Oh, man, please, just either ride it or don't, okay? Because <laughs> we weren't there. We don't have smell of vision, all right? We can't connect with that situation because it's kind of two-dimensional. And he's saying to these people, listen, this, this has to be a third-dimensional thing. The gospel brings us into an assurance of heaven. You've got to be kidding. When your lease is up, man, you start thinking about it way ahead, don't you? Because where am I going to go? What happens if you know where you're going to go? You're going to go to heaven. And heaven is not described in excruciating detail in the Bible. It's just where God is. That's where we're going. And it's assurance. So if I have assurance for eternity, why am I tripping over little things, Jake? You know my terms. Why am I tripping over small things? Poor Jake, man, I shocked him one day with being politically incorrect. Why am I tripping over this life when I have an assurance of eternal life? He's saying that gratitude that's of the Holy Spirit's filling now has this engine that can go and be grateful, genuinely grateful. Man, when I'm in the middle of a difficult thing, 
When my boss is not, not the perfect person, when my checkbook says this, when our kids are doing that, when dad is saying that, it doesn't matter. The situation matters, but in terms of how it moves me up and then down, and I'll tell you what, I wore my heart out. I didn't even know it. Man, you know what? You know what bothered my heart? They say, well, cholesterol is. What bothered my heart most of all? The, my, my physical heart is, man, I would die a thousand deaths over everything. I mean, you care for people. You invest in people. And then it turns out weird. Man, I'll tell you, it kills me. But the reason, <laughs> literally tried to, all right? The reason it got to me so much was because, man, in the middle of it, I would, I would be thinking, I should have said this, I should have done that, I should have been there, I should have been this, I should have said it better, I should have been there more, I should have, I should have caught this earlier, I, I should have, and you just, and man, I, I would actually feel it right here. The biggest killer of human beings, man, is making our body deal with what our spirit was made for. That's what kills us. They may call it a disease, they may call, but it doesn't happen unless, man, I so, I so weaken my flesh by expecting it to have the validity and the power of my spirit. It does not. Or I don't know the difference between my soul and my spirit. Only the Word of God is sharp enough to make that distinction. And the heaven's assurance and assurance. And so it's this gospel which has come to you, just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. When we were in Thailand, man, we didn't, I didn't speak Thai that well. I could say, where's the bathroom? What's your name? Kinda. And there was a couple others. Okay, Hong Nam Yutikap. Where's the banyo? That's about it. And yet, man, you would be around people that have committed to Christ. There was instant fellowship. We had no language. We had three guys that helped us prosit, prowit, perdit. What? I'm not even sure I got them sorted out which one was what. And yet these guys were so valuable to us. You know, we think, man, we've been walking in Christ a while, whatever else. Man, these guys were such a blessing because they, they, they not only babysat us, but oh, man, they connected us with the people of Thailand in these little villages. It was a beautiful thing. I'd have pictures of my family in a little folder, and they'd send me to a house of people who didn't know me, spoke no English, and I spoke what I already told you, and they were going to spend the evening and have dinner with me. And you'd go over there thinking, man, what are we going to do? We're just going to stare at each other? Right. And then what? You pull out those pictures, the priest and they had pictures. And you'd never want to go home. It'd be, it'd be one in the morning. And you're <laughs> thinking you're going to get bored after 15 minutes. Or not bored, but just don't know what to do. And it's bearing fruit in all the world. One of the things that's a characteristic of the Holy Spirit. Man, it bears fruit. He bears fruit. Because there's a power and a punch to the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's something that animates us to go beyond where we would go, to be more hearing and listening, to be wise instead of cautious. The Holy Spirit gives us front-end wisdom. Read the book of Acts. Front-end wisdom. Paul with the pro 
Eliamus is trying to dissuade the situation. Man, he knows what's going on. In Samaria, there's a guy that wants to buy the ability to lay hands on people that they receive the Holy Spirit. They see on the front end that there's a problem and are able to help this dude. There's just something about the time that we live in that, man, it's so important that we don't get scared of the Holy Spirit because of the stories we hear or the comparison we do with other people. Listen, I've already told you the story. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, man, there was a, there was a, there was a river going through me, and I spoke in a different language. That's what happened to me. I thought at first I'd had an aneurysm. I'm not joking you. It was so out of the box. And nobody around, I had no theology. I'd heard of the Holy Spirit. Of course, in those days, it was like King James stuff. The Holy Ghost, which made it weird. All right? But I didn't say afterwards, oh my golly, I'm one of those guys. Check the box. I've got an identity. Man, that's not it. That's not it. But there is an evidence that someone is filled with the Holy Spirit. That person knows. And it's not a one-time thing, but it is a precedent-setting moment. There is a moment in time you know. There are times in your life you need to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. But there's a time where we know. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we know. But in our day and age, sometimes we leave out fruit production that we can man stick to the ceiling or we can, we, can, we can run around the room or we can do all that. But you know, early on, early on, early on, John and I would look at some of that and go, man, okay. And, then, and we look for fruit from that person then. You know, they look forward to sticking to the ceiling and they look forward to running around the room. And that's not it. Now, I'm not against sticking or running. I'm just saying, man, the genuineness ends up Fruit. Fruit in that person. Fruit in them. The, their, their uh, relationship with other people. He goes on to he goes on to to, to, to to finish this out. He just talks about this person named Epaphras in verse seven. He says, "Just as you've learned it, this grace being understood from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant." who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Listen, there is so much in the world today, in, in Christendom, where the issue is, or the, the saying goes, it's God and me. I'm accountable to no one else. It's just God and me. That's not true. That doesn't mean there isn't a God in you. It just means that there's also authority in the world. There's also leadership and people that take care of people, people that equip people. There's that too. And without that working together, that person that equips us or is our pastor or our shepherd, and they're not there to control us. All they can do is equip us. But when the body has a problem with the body. And the body can just, you know, if you woke up in the morning and your right arm is just gone, you don't know where it went. No note, okay? No email. 
It's just gone. I don't know about you, man. I, I would have a hard time left-handed. I could eat left-handed. You know, I could do a lot of things left-handed. Man, I cannot write left-handed. Can you? Mine looks like in tongues. I mean, it's, it's interlocking. Right? And yet we do this in the body of Christ all the time. We just say, God told me. And when somebody says, God told me, and they just disappear, and they find themselves that they're in this position where they have to make the body a problem so they can be so it can be solved by God told me. Now this sounds jaded, but I'll tell you folks, this jaded sense is in the body. It's there. And there's a ripping and tearing, a divorcing that occurs. Spiritual divorce. Man, it's not good. It's not good. It ruins stuff. Because what we do is we take that divorce, we just go somewhere else, we hit the reset button, and we think, now I'm in this fellowship. Man, it'll be better because pastor's better, music's better, kids' ministry's better. It's all better. But you know what? We take that poison with us. And we poison that next bottle. Nothing intentional. Nothing meaning to. But we miss the Epaphras in our life. We miss the value of these gifts of one another to one another. Does that mean we're going to be with each other forever? I'm not saying that. But in the transition to the next thing, do we honor the body? Do we honor leadership by being able to say to them, man, would you pray with this, about this with us? Can we bring this, man? Can we have unity in this? Can we have insight to this? Man, I'll tell you what. That leader's not there to rubber stamp and say, yes, I approve. Right? That is to be in there with us. There's something about the season that we find ourselves, folks. It's not just that I'm sick of it. I think God's sick of it. When we, when we end up creating this turmoil... In the name of God told me. And what happens in the process is every decision we make affects somebody else. Everybody else. And what happens is man, that we miss out on the process of being like-minded and loving one another. Man, somebody's got something to say, Pastor Rick, man, I just really feel man, it's been on my heart. I want to go to Tanzania. Right? Tanzania needs a lot. Man, right on. I said, man, would you pray with me about this? John, would you pray? Luke, would you pray? Caleb, would you pray with me about this? And there's something about it. But Epaphras now is honored. Rather than, man, you know what? Epaphras kind of messed up. I'm offended by what he said or what he did, man. I'm going to hit the reset button. It happens all the time. And it's wrong. And church discipline needs to spank that. That doesn't mean <laughs> when I was in school, you get the principal's office, they would get the board out, and they would boost you over there. <laughs> I'm not saying do that. <laughs> All I'm saying is, man, there should be an accountability in the body of Christ. It's healthy, and it's good. He talks about this in Philippians where he says, you know what? Be anxious for nothing. How many of us, man, raise your hand if, it, if you know that scripture and sometimes we still get overwhelmed with anxiousness. 
man, I would, man, you saw my hand go up first. I would still get overwhelmed. I was still thinking through from the problem side rather than the solution side. It says, be anxious with nothing but in everything. See, if I have always and all kinds of gratitude and thankfulness, then everything gets brought into this prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Man, it gets put up. How many of us wake up at 2 in the morning over something, and you read the Word? It's not even about what you were really struggling with, and it blesses you. It's like, ah, oh, man, okay, I'm all right. Because that, man, that, that Word begins to kind of sort through, and that Mount Kilimanjaro that looks too big to overcome, we find out it's a speed bump. It still needs to be dealt with, but it's not going to kill us. It says, let your requests be made known to God. If our gratefulness is the destination is God, shouldn't our requests be made known to God? You know what I think I stopped praying about? Where I'm going to live and what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to wear. Thanks, Jake. Because it says he knows my name. Why would I be worried about that? Now, it looks like Maybe sometimes I need to be praying about what I'm going to wear. <laughs> That's a different problem, right? But there's something about everything going to him. Let your requests be made known, and the peace of God, which surpasses comprehension. You know, I've tried to understand that phrase, beyond comprehension, and it's beyond my comprehension. There's something about it that says, man, listen, there's nothing to worry about. Because there's nothing in my life and your life that God's not aware of. There's nothing in your life or my life that he doesn't intimately care about. But it talks about this filling of the Holy Spirit. I don't even know if you want to put it up there. It seems like this print was too small. Uh, you know, bless uh, Sarah uh, Warden's heart. I sent her, I said, you know, I'm going to maybe get through one verse. Uh, today, but I want you to put up the whole chapter of Romans, uh, that one whole chapter in Romans. It's like, man, she's, a, you know, I, I love Sarah. And she got it done. It's that teeny print that's up there. I can't go through every scripture, but I want to give you the sense that if the Holy Spirit is bringing this engine of gratitude to us, and it, re it results in everything, all things, always, our thankfulness in the name of Jesus Christ. In the New Testament times, the name you had summed you up. Jesus, the Savior, Yeshua, Joshua in the Old Testament. The Christ, the Christos, the Anointed One. The Isaiah 61, He's come to do what? The Spirit of God's on Him. He's come to set captives free. Preach the favorable year of the Lord. That's who he is. There's this, there's this, there's this, there's this knowing of him in the middle of everything. It says here that in in verse uh, one of chapter eight, it's talking about there is uh, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law, here's why. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Sin can't get to you and death can't touch you. 
I told you last week, man, I was in the hospital the night before my surgery. I'm thinking, should I write something to my kids? Send them a text? Like some, some word to them. And it was like, man, in the middle of it, the Lord was just saying, no, you don't need to. Not just because you're not going to die right now. It's the man they know. And you know that they know. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means this law of sin and death, man's not there. But this other characteristic of the Holy Spirit is there. Verse 6, it says, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and what? Peace. Man, there's something about this filling of the Holy Spirit. You cannot, I cannot know the Holy Spirit unless He indwells me. I can't. I can't. How many of you have been to Kamloops, Canada? Nobody? What? Julie, you have? Who'd you go with? All right, we know. We ate at a restaurant there called Toast. They did, it's just Toast. See, you can read everything you want about Kamloops, Canada. Mining area, farming, the city, the government. Man, you can, you can study it all, but you don't know it. You would have to go there and be in it to know it. Our knowing the Holy Spirit requires us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It requires us to experience Him on the inside. It requires us to also live in Him. Or we can't know Him. Because the knowing comes from what? The doing of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is not speaking on His own initiative. He's not saying... Hey, Jesus is great, the Father is great, but ta-da, this is what I do. He's saying, man, my job is to reveal Jesus Christ and all that he is. And my job is to bring from the Father to you. And man, he's so good at it. Verse 9 says, however, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God, what, dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Wow! How important is it to know? See, if we went around and shared testimonies, there was a time you could share about that moment that you knew a little bit about Jesus or you had a hunger for Jesus, but there came a time where you knew it. You received him as he was. And he's saying, man, this is this knowing. And it's a belonging. He says, if Christ is in you through the body, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit that dwells, I'm sorry, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, what? What brand of the Holy Spirit do we have? The same brand that fills Jesus Christ. It's the same. Same by character and nature and wholeness. This third person of the Trinity hovered over this uncreated that God spoke to. Man, he was after the business of what God meant to do. Holy Spirit, man, was on people in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, man, you can't get him unless I go. And the disciples were going, man, we'd rather have you here because we don't know about him. 
And Jesus and John describes his nature, his character, what he, was, what he was going to do and be. And he says this to us. He said, listen, this is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He will also what, give life to your what? Mortal bodies. I'll tell you what, it's what caffeine or what, what, I don't care what you put in your body. It's what, it can't do this through the spirit, his spirit who dwells in you. We cannot be knowing the Holy Spirit, but that he would dwell in us. We have to go to Kamloops, Canada, to know what it's like. We have to smell the smell, live the life, know the people. We have to dwell there to know it. We have to dwell where the Spirit is. In verse 14, it says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Wow. To be led by the Spirit means I have to put on my shoes and go where he goes. I have to go where he goes. And man, he's going to take us across every boundary line of our comfort zone. And he's going to say, man, to come with me, you've got to let go of what's behind you. And you've got to let it go. Yeah, but no, you've got to let it go. Because if you're hanging on something back here, you can't go. You're tethered. And you can't, you can't stretch where he's going. You have to go where he's going. You're a son. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again. He says, man, this trail with the Holy Spirit is not like the trail you walked till now. Man, you're not in slavery. You're not in this place where fear rules you. for nothing. Man, it sounds like, man, maybe three Christians and all of Christendom get to do this. No, every Christian. This is for everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which you cry out a Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. We don't have to keep thinking about our performance. There's been a transaction that's occurred takes our feet out of the miry clay and we can follow. We can go. We can be who and where and what God wants man anytime, night or day. None of us to prove that we're anything. All of it is, is the evidence that it's Him. And if children, man, you've got to catch this. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God. and Fellow heirs with that means, as God has glorified the Son, He's glorifying you. As God testified of His righteousness in His Son, He's going to do that with you. That means you're going to have to walk even when it's hard. Even when there's suffering. And yet that, man, it's not we go out looking for suffering. But let me tell you something. If this Holy Spirit indwelling us makes us grateful and and, and thankful in the midst of suffering, then there's nothing that gets in the way of this gratitude in the name of Jesus going to God. Paul and Barnabas, man, they had their, they had their backs ripped open by a flogging they didn't deserve. Oh, do you, how much do you love injustice? Man, no human loves injustice. Your seventh grade English teacher who 
who, who said, no, nah, she sized you up, man, there's no way to unconvince her. She thinks this of you no matter what. Man, injustice all the way up to the worst kind of injustice. And we hate it. And yet, here they were at midnight down in the depths of the jail. There was no raw materials in their jail for their escape. There wasn't a loose bar. There wasn't a, a jailer they could bribe. There was nothing. They were with where nobody could reach them. And yet it says at midnight they were worshiping psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It seems crazy. We've exalted these people as if they're superhuman. No, they're filled with the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Spirit who makes His case to you today. Because, man, we have a hunger for Him. You do. You do. next year, not at some conference now, today, if we will only ask by faith. And for those of us who have some ancient story about his filling us, man, we need to be filled afresh. He's talking about this characteristics that he's talking about here. children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may, what, be also glorified with him. Man, maybe some of us have felt what it's like, man, kickball, grade school, pick your teams, man, you don't get picked. You get labeled as the guy or lady that gets picked, not at all, or the last. Some of us were the first to get picked. But he's talking about this, this place of being joint heirs with Christ is not about being deserving. All he's saying, man, is you just need hunger. And the Holy Spirit himself is stirring that hunger up in our hearts because Fort Collins is waiting for the body of Christ. Trinidad, Vermilion. These places are church to stop rearranging old stuff and submitting herself to his leadership and guidance to honor what God has provided that we might be able to say all and always it says at the end of Romans, 21st verse, it says, But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquered through him who loved us. Man, I'm not interested in being a survivor, a victim. See, the conquering work's already been done. To be more and overwhelmingly a conqueror 
means that what the devastation is overcome, the bigness is overcome, the impossible army is overcome, but now it's time to occupy. It's not time for a simple visitation. It's time for this habitation. But God has to have some place where that habitation can rest. Some place where it's not about egos and it's not about uh, trying to survive and money and all that kind of stuff. He's saying, will you let me in as I am? Will you? I'm not sitting here or standing here saying you're resistant. But God is raising the bar. And he's opening the door. Step in. And step in. Get your shoes on. Let's go where you're going. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life. What about life? All of it. What about death? All of it. Nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Therein is our gratitude. Here is our thankfulness. Here is this, this engine on the inside of us that brings us to the place of seeing things like God sees them. Seeing people like God sees them. Stepping toward them with what? Some content. And connecting them with the answer. But Rick, they didn't want to hear it. And then your seed planted. Well, Rick, they, man, they, they resisted. And then you're watering. Last thing, man, just asking in regard to the Holy Spirit is an asking of faith. Faith. Doesn't matter what I'm feeling like. It's faith. In Luke 11, verse 9, he says this, So then I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Sometimes the persistence of seeking and knocking is not because at all God doesn't want to give it to you. But God sometimes has to clean the vessel. Sometimes God must unite us with what, unite us on his side of the equation about what's going on. Sometimes that inner working is going on so that that fire closet on the inside of us, that yeah, there's been a show on, you've seen it, called what, Hoarders? All right? Somebody living with cats and then stacked up papers and wrappers from Pizza Hut. I mean, they're good. they got it all in there, all right? They see there's no room for something new. And because the room is like that, man, anything new would get defiled and be unhealthy. Man, you gotta clean, you got to clean that out. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, the yielding to the Holy Spirit, comes to this place where this hunger is getting met, but man, he's making a place where he can abide in you. Because he's not going to move in and then move out and then move in and then move out. That's not what the filling is about. There's a precedent-setting time in our life where this baptism of the Holy Spirit occurs. And man, this filling of the Holy Spirit is a what? Continuous work of the Lord. For everyone who asks receives. Who receives? Everybody. If you ask. And he who seeks, man finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. 
When you share your testimony about coming to a knowledge of saving faith of Jesus Christ, nobody can take that from you. And when you become united with Jesus provided for us in the Holy Spirit and the giving of His Holy Spirit, yes, it takes the Holy Spirit to get saved. There's no doubt. But it takes this intimacy and this characterization of filling with the Holy Spirit for us to be functional, faithful, and persevere in this life. Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by a son for a fish. Will he not give him? Will he give him a snake instead of a fish? Man, will he? Or if he's asked for an egg, will he not give him? Will he, will he give him a scorpion? Will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? But we must ask by faith. We, we cannot save ourselves. Maybe I'm not eligible. Or maybe I'm not worthy. No, it's not true. That's a lie. The word of this doesn't lie with you and I. It relies and, and rests upon him. So this morning, we're going to take up our offering. For those of you who went through the offering earlier, okay, give it up. <laughs> um, and then we're going to have a little time where... Have a little time of worship, and you may need to sit right where you are. I'm gonna ask. Well, Rick asked last week. Well, ask on Tuesday too, because you're not trying to get God to do something He doesn't want to do, but you are entering into something that will move. And today we're talking about gratitude. We'll move it from the same circumstances beyond. We're gonna pray for the offering and then come up with you. Father, we just thank you for the, the moment we come to, Lord. We just thank you, Father, that even the hands that hold these baskets, Father, is generous. And Father, I just thank you that generosity is not a human uh, characteristic. It's a characteristic of you. Given shall be given unto you. But the measure you give is the measure you receive. Because that's your character. It's who you are. And generosity, Lord, is is so uh, a part of who you are that while we're yet sinners, that's what Christ died for us. So Lord, we thank you for this uh, time and we thank you, Father, for sharing together in Jesus' name. Amen. Give honor to God, to whom all honors do. I thank the Lord right now. He was, um, when um, I was driving here today, I said, oh, I don't feel a word. That's good. I can just sit back and not have to worry about this thing. And then when Rick started talking about, Pastor Rick started talking about gratitude, all of a sudden it was like, also the thing of always thank him. Um, it came up into how we use gratitude. And we sometimes put it in a category of a virtual china cabinet where these are the things I'm going to be grateful for, things he has done, but we're not actually um, using our gratitude to the fullest. We're not looking at being grateful for and thankful for things God, things that the Lord is going to do, and most importantly, what he can do. And so we become spiritual hoarders and sometimes physical hoarders of things, and we put it in our virtual china cabinets. 
And it's just like having, ooh, this is a good bottle of wine. I'm going to save it for a good occasion. And when you open it, it's vinegar. And it's just like it benefits no one for us to just hold on to something that was given to us. Like Jesus can't give us that again. Um, like a nice perfume. I'm not going to wear that. Nobody touch it. Uh-uh. You come over my house. Stay away from that bottle of perfume or whatever. And we go to use it. It's vinegar. You know, it's all these things. You know, China, don't touch it. And then when we're gone on, it's going to end up in a, in a box to the Goodwill. It's like, what good is this stuff that we've held up? some kind of esteem and almost an idolatry. So it's a thing where we can have nice things, but we have to look at the fact that what we have and God gives us, he gives us to, to use, to utilize, and not just for ourselves all the time. We have to spread that out. And another thing the Lord was telling me is that sometime in that virtual China cabinet, we put our, our spiritual armor in there. And then we wait till we get knocked down and can barely crawl up there to grab it to put it on. And the Lord was saying, these things are not that he gives us. These gifts are not for us to keep and hoard. He gives it to us to utilize. And he wants us to know that he is not a one-hit wonder. He is there. And he's going to constantly be given. His, his powers and his mercies are unlimited. So we need to go ahead and and also look at being grateful and thankful for what Jesus can do and live in that kind of spiritual moment. Let's, let's do some worship, but let's respond to this word and to the word. And then we'll close in a little bit. Amen. God bless you. Father, uh, help us to be ever attentive, maybe more so sensitive to you, maybe at any other time in our life. Not because of the emergency, Father, or the, or the, or the howling of the some desperation. But simply we recognize what you're doing from your side. And Father, we turn from whatever would distract us. We turn from whatever is noisiest. And Father, we turn to you. That's all you're looking for. And Father, we'll be blessed. So we bless you for that. Father, our week and all that it contains in Jesus' name. your tablet here? Is this your tablet? It's my recorder. It is recording everything you speak at this moment.